All right, welcome to the Golf Podcast Live. We're live from Mississauga at Mindshare Workspace. Uh, with me, as always, is my co-host, Michael Bleakley in Vancouver. Uh, he's over at the ECS Agency. Today, we have a special guest. Uh, he's a University of Texas grad, has played 385 events on the PGA Tour, famously played with Tiger in 1997 when he made that hole-in-one, now a PGA Tour Champions player, uh, Omar Uresti. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Raphael. Yeah, thanks for coming, Omar. You bet, oh, Thanks, Omar. You know, uh, what a crazy weekend. I don't know if you got a chance to watch anything in Kapalua, but um, Morikawa falling apart like that. Did you get a chance to see any golf? You know, uh, I probably saw two or three shots just after I got done playing uh, here at the club at Onion Creek where I live and play and practice here in Austin. And uh, But I didn't really watch much of it. I saw a few shots of uh, Scotty Shufflers and from the day before, and that was about it. I was just kind of going about my own business and, you know, playing with uh, some of the members out here at Onion Creek yesterday. Yeah. For those of you who are listening, watching uh, what we're talking about, it's uh, the opening century golf tournaments, all the uh, winners from the previous year, as well as they've included now uh, the top 30 players on the uh, PGA Tour FedEx uh, list, which is which is new and it's great, you know, it fills up the field a little bit more. We've got three Canadians out there. It was, it was fun to watch. And uh, Morikawa had a bit of a meltdown with a six-shot lead on the PGA Tour. I do believe that's the largest lead, excluding majors, that a player uh, lost uh, the tournament. So it is a big deal. You could see how dejected he was after the tournament. Um, Mike, uh, anything, any thoughts about that? Uh, that's a relatable crumble, uh, for an amateur golfer. Uh, absolutely. Um, you know, golf's a hard game and, uh, John Rom kept it interesting. I got to admit, I was trying to fight off a nap and John Rom kept me going. And as soon as I saw it was over, I curled up on the couch for about an hour and uh, recuperated, but, um, that's golf. Yeah. Well, Omar, let's start with you. Uh, tell us about uh, yourself. For those who don't know who Omar Uresti is, uh, tell us how you, uh, your career started and how you got into golf. And um, uh, we'll go from there. All right. Um, well, born and raised here in Austin, Texas. Uh, my dad used to play a little bit of golf uh, and got me started when I was about three or four. He cut down a seven iron for me and uh, we lived just a mile and a half or two miles from a couple of different places when I was up until I was about three or four. Uh, one of them was this, uh, one of the older courses in Austin called Lions Municipal Golf Club or a golf course. It's a public course. And then we also had a, a par three course, Butler Pitch and Putt, nine hole par three course. And they've done a couple of uh, deals uh, last year and this year sponsored by Tito's Vodka that uh, they had four PGA Tour pros come in and do a do an event to raise money for, uh, I believe it was for uh, maybe uh, to help uh, dog, you know, abandoned dogs or just the, you know, dogs in general and stuff great. like that. But uh, yeah, great. It was, you know, great. Uh, it's been a lot of fun uh, from what I've heard people talk about it, but you know, those were my first memories uh, on the golf course were with my dad and my brothers on, on those two golf courses. And, we joined Onion Creek Club here in Austin when I was six years old, which uh, we later moved out the, the following year when I was seven. 
1976 and pretty much have lived out here ever since. But Onion Creek was the the host of the Legends of Golf, which was the very first Champions right. Tour event ever. Okay. And in 1978, I believe that we had it for nine or ten years, and and then it moved on. But uh, that was a great inspiration for me, being able to watch all the old pros. Uh, Sam Snead, I uh, got to play with Devicencio one year in the pro am. Got to play with Lionel Abear in the pro am. Uh, but I used to just I used to help out on the range and. Next thing I knew, uh, Jackie Burke and Chichi Rodriguez were calling oh, me wow. over to hit balls to give me give me pointers, and you know I'd look over at the chipping green and Paul running be over there for two or three hours just chipping. It'd be wow. it was unbelievable, uh, you know. So I got a lot of inspiration and uh, and picked up a lot of great things from from those guys. Wow, that's amazing. Chichi's always been one of my favorites. Uh, I remember as a kid, and I, I wasn't quite into golf as I am now, but. Uh, he's just such a character. I wish we had more guys like that on tour now. Uh, it's uh, it's a little bit robotic with some of these guys and lacking personalities that, that we used to have in those days. What uh, are you working on right now, um, Omar? Uh, are you trying to get back uh, into to status and champs tour? And what, what are you working on in your game? Um, yeah, trying to get back out on the champions tour or to get out there for the first time, really. I've played a couple of events through Monday qualifiers. Mm-hmm. We had Q school the first week of December and I uh, led after the first day and then got off to a bad start the second day and just couldn't get it, uh, any putts to fall after that. Uh, mm-hmm. so it was very frustrating second and third day. And then the final day I turned it around a little bit, but just wasn't good enough to, to earn my card, but uh, I've been working on my swing, um, pretty hard for the last six, seven months. I had gotten into a real bad habit where I was, kind of hanging back and hitting this big old pull slice. And so I've been working on that. And I actually, uh, right after Q school, I took three weeks off and came back and started hitting balls and playing a few. And I actually got my, started hitting it straighter and almost with a little draw, which was kind of shocking. Uh, so, uh, I guess the things that I have been working on are starting to, to pay off a little bit. Good. Well, you've got uh, a lot of wins, Omar. I mean, looking back at your career, you know, yeah, all the starts I mentioned earlier, the 380 some odd starts, but you played the Canadian tour as well. So for all our Canadians, uh, you beat uh, our, our our good friend and player, Derek Gillespie, uh, I believe in a playoff <laughs> at the Barnard Creek Challenge back uh, in 2005. Actually, yeah, it, w- it wasn't even a playoff. Uh, oh, it, it wasn't? Was the final. No, we got paired together a couple rounds and... Uh, I believe I had, uh, I had a decent lead and, you know, he kept getting it close to me. He, you know, he'd make a couple of birdies and I'd make a birdie, and, you know, so we were, it was, you know, got pretty tight there towards the end, but I, I think I ended up winning by a couple. Um, that's but, right. Man, that's, yeah. a, that's great. That was, yeah, was a, a five stroke lead. Yeah. 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 So, <laughs> and then we're, and, we're uh, looking. Looking at other wins, Omar, you got the 2015 Southern Texas PGA Championship, which are, you know, famously known for winning the Southern Texas PGA Championship. But in 2021, the PGA Professional Championship, uh, that was incredible. Senior PGA Professional Championship in 2020. Uh, without, uh, you know, there was a little bit of controversy with all that. Um, tell us about how this came about. Did they actually call it the Uresti Rule? Um, well... The, the PGA of America didn't, just the media. Um, I won the, right. uh, you know, I won the PPC in 2017. 
um, I had lost my status on the PGA tour and had actually gotten a little depressed for a couple of years and mm. was trying to find a way to get back into golf tournaments. Um, and I called our section president, Mike Ray, and it's like, Mike, what can I do to, to play in some of the section events? And he's like, well, you can, um, you know, change your status to life member because you've been paying your dues for 20 years and you can start playing in our events. And if you uh, fulfill the MSR credits, you know, attend certain meetings and stuff like that, and um, you can uh, qualify for nationals. And I was like, well, sign me up. That's what I want to do. And that got me, you know, it got me out of my little depression that I had started, you know, working on it. I'd actually gained about 15, almost 20 pounds during that time. And so I was able to lose that and get back in shape. And uh, I ended up qualifying for the nationals my first time and I finished third. And then the next year got beat on the last hole uh, by Rich Barbarian. He made about a 40 footer to, to win. And, um, and then the next year I ended up winning it in 2017. And then I won it again in 21. Um, but you know, just some of the guys, because I was a life member of the PGA of America, right. not actually a working club pro or teaching pro it, uh, you know, it rattled a few of the guys and they were, you know, and unfortunately they were taking it out on me. Uh, well, where, that's terrible. Cause you know, it's sort of like the old boys club. I've worked at, you know, private, semi-private, uh, facilities as a club pro and, and it's, uh, it's, it's strange, right? It's a, it's a, the community is really tight, but you legitimately just to clear the record, you know, you did the things by the book. There was no reason for it. And, uh, and you still had to win, right? You still had to make the shots. Oh my yeah. God. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, and there were, there were, uh, I mean, this past year, and I think it was in 2018, I, you know, finished down in the fifties. So, and, uh, I actually missed the, uh, and then this year at the senior club pro, which I can still play the senior division stuff. I just can't play the open age. Um, but you know, like I said, they, they took it out on me and, and, uh, and that was a, a bit, uh, hurtful at first. And then, you know, I was like, you know what? I was like, some of these guys are just, you know, they put in the time in the shop and obviously they, they have to work way too many hours, um, mm -hmm. and don't get paid enough for, for their job. Um, you know, so they're having to work 60 hours a week and it's hard to, if you have a family, it's hard to find time to practice and, That's you, know, right. maintain I, a game. you know, and so I understand where they were coming from, but at the same time, it wasn't my fault. I was going, like you said, I was doing everything by the book. Um, and you know, and that's what I did. And, but, uh, you know, they finally got together and they had a vote and they were able to change the rules, uh, on me mm -hmm. this year. I, and on my defense, I think, you know, maybe I could have been could have been, maybe not should have been, but I think I could have been grandfathered in and just have mm. it set for, for future guys. Right. Um, but, uh, I mean, cause now, you know, I'm still trying, you know, I, I could now in order to play in the open age division, I would have to go through all the business school testing and then right. get a job. And that's just not something I'm ready to do. Um, mm. you know, I'm, you know, 54 years old, I can still play halfway decent mm -hmm. and I'm still competitive against some of those younger guys. So, you know, it's, it's just uh, a shame that things have kind of turned out the way they have, you know, and most of the guys out there that know me are, you know, and I'll tell you, you I guess you just had a podcast with them last week, uh, Rob LaBritz. Right. He's told me a couple of times, he's, he's like, you know, Omar, if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be out here on the champions tour. You That's made amazing. me have to work hard. Wow. 
Yeah. You made me a better player by being out here. And I, then I had to work harder and now yeah. look where I am. Wow. That, that's, that's incredible. Uh, Great cool. story. Thanks for sharing. And, yeah. and too bad that, uh, you know, it feels like you've got uh, the bad end of the stick here and, uh, you know, the media's uh, overblown this uh, as they tend to do these days. So uh, <laughs> it's a shame that, uh, you know, that uh, this rule has changed. Um, yes. What do you think about uh, the live golf um, entering the scene last year? And it was uh, quite a disruption to the sport in some ways, but do you, um, are you in favor uh, of this either way or what are your thoughts on this? Well, um, you know, at first I kind of overreacted, but with all the, you know, especially the way the first few guys handled it from the PGA yeah. tour, mm-hmm. you know, they did not handle it very classily. And, uh, um, I don't blame them for going, mm-hmm. you know, I love the way that Harold Varner, handled it and said, Hey, I got to do this. This is for my family. It's for my charities. Um, I got to look for, look out for my own. And this is yeah. the one way I can do it. Um, at the same time, you know, I'm all, I'm, I'm, a all about the PGA tour. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there was a little bit of an overreaction there myself on, on, yeah. uh, on the commissioner side. Um, you know, we get, I believe the PGA Tour gets six releases each year to go play in tournaments abroad. Um, and heck, he probably, he could have come out and maybe said, okay, you get six releases. You can use them all on the live and that's it. You can't go play anywhere yeah. else, but, and you still have to fulfill your 15 tournaments on the PGA Tour. Yeah. I, you know, I think that would have been just fine. Um, but uh, it has now made, the PGA tour, you know, have to find, you know, not find, but uh, pull out some of their money that they've had. And, you know, they're uh, now doing, I guess, a weekly um, allotment or whatever, where they're paying, paying guys, whether you miss the cut or not. Yeah. You know, I wish that was mm-hmm. around 20 years ago when I got started. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. hundred um, percent. It, I mean, it, it was quite disruptive and you're right that some of the guys, uh, uh, kind of said they're doing this for the greater of the game and grow the game when clearly it's uh, it's a balloon payout and uh, Harold Barner did handle that very well and uh, some guys were very cryptic about it but um, yeah I, I agree with you that and I've always said this over the last uh, you know x amount of months that I, I think Jay Monahan could have handled things a little better uh, instead of putting up a stone wall I, I think uh, he could have sat at the table with uh, with Norman, whether they like each other or not, and they could have come to an agreement that maybe wasn't so disruptive because it is a shame not to see some of the guys, the Cam Smiths and Dustin Johnson and uh, some of the, the regular uh, namesakes that we would see on tour. Uh, and a few of the guys uh, are a bit older, Ian Poulter and Graham McDowell. That's a very logical decision to jump over there and make some money, but um, they may not be missed so much on tour, but some of the young guns will be. Yeah. Yeah. The young guns, definitely. Um, you know, um, in my opinion and what, from what I've seen, some of the guys, I, and I haven't really kept up with the live tour, so I don't know, but it just doesn't seem like the numbers are there like they were, you know, their scoring just doesn't seem to be as good, as quite as good as it was before. Mm-hmm. But like I said, I haven't really kept up with it. That's just kind of what I see every now and then. Um, and yet they haven't performed in the majors yeah, like they were before either. So 
I think it's hurting them to, just to be playing the live, but you know, the live is coming out with more tournaments, I believe this next year. So that's right. that, that should help out a little bit, but uh, it's at the same time, it's like, how motivated are they? Cause they're already guaranteed the money. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. a factor. It's a factor and not playing as much. Uh, we all know how hard golf is and you need to be uh, in the ring and, and, and feel the pressure and the heat. So, uh, so yep. you have Absolutely. a better chance at scoring. So um, we'll see how this unfolds and, and uh, you know, the lawsuit uh, is uh, going to kind of waste some time. I think they should just throw all the guys in the room and, uh, and fight it out until you come up with an agreement. <laughs> so we can, uh, you know, kind of get back and uh, just, just not segregate our golfers so much because at the end of the day, let's see the best guys out there and, and, uh, and watch them uh, play. Yeah. And in my opinion, I, I've never, you know, getting to the world ranking aspect of it. I mean, it's only 50 guys playing and, you know, I, I prefer to see a field of 150 guys where you have more chances of different guys winning. It makes it more exciting in my opinion. Yeah, um, absolutely. And 72 holes, of course, you know, uh, there's exactly. a couple of factors, right? It's more of a marathon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd love to uh, just switch gears just for a few minutes and talk about the Latino community and the influences you've had um, growing up playing golf. Uh, you know, we talked before we went on about Chichi Rodriguez and Lee Trevino. You mentioned DiVincenzo. Uh, t- tell me about your relationship with those guys and any any uh, funny stories or memories you have playing with them. <laughs> Well, um, the funny thing was when, you know, my, my very first, one of my very first idols when I was a kid, uh, well, being here in Austin, you know, I had Tom Kite and Ben Crenshaw, but uh, on the Hispanic side was Lee Trevino. Um, you know, I read a little 100-page biography book that was, you know, made for kids at the time uh, on Lee Trevino, and I just remember you know, some of the, the stories that I read in it and just in hearing the stories about him taping up the Dr. Pepper bottle and going out and hitting it one-handed and, you know, beating, winning money with that way. And, but, uh, you know, so he, I never, I didn't meet Mr. Trevino until later in my life after I'd already been on tour for a little while. So that was, uh, actually, I think I met him when I was a kid, he came and announced the, uh, legends of golf a couple of times. So, mm-hmm. um, but being able to play with uh, Devicencio was a huge honor. Um, it was in the Pro-Am and, uh, you know, we kept in touch for quite a while. Um, he would even call my dad on occasion just to, and my mom just to say hi and, and stuff uh, and to just say he was keeping up with my progress and, and everything. And then with uh, Chi-Chi, <laughs> Uh, the first time I met Chichi, I was 12 years old and we were at a tournament. They only had one year and it was the Andy Bean World Pro Junior in Innisbrook. And um, it was at Greenleaf Resort. And I got paired with uh, J.C. Sneed in the in the tournament. But to play in practice rounds, I guess my dad had met Chichi and talked to him. And we ended up playing a couple of practice rounds with Chichi. And then a couple of, you know, um, I think it would I believe they were his nephews or something. And uh, so that's how I first met him. Mm. And then I remember him taking six of us from the tournament one day real early in the morning to Disney World in a little like 18, 20 foot RV. And he would pulled into the parking lot at about 830. And he's like, all right, guys, 
I'll meet you all back here at three o'clock. He's like, you guys go have fun. So we went off to the gate, had our time at the at Disney World. We met him back at the RV at three o'clock. He sat in that RV for over six hours just so we could go have a good time. Wow. And Great. just, uh, yeah, incredible. I'll never forget that. He was so, just so awesome and generous you know, with the, with us kids. It was incredible. Yeah, that was very cool. Very cool. Well, you know, uh, you have a number of people that have supported you over the years. Currently, are you working with any sponsors or um, uh, you'd like to mention a uh, good way we like to pay back or, you know, our guests is yeah. for them to bring up who they're working with and who's been supporting them? Well, you know, um, as far as, you know, Tideless Foot Joy, uh, use Tideless Golf Equipment and, you know, Foot Joy Shoes and Glove. Uh, they've been behind me ever since college, you know. Uh, I did, I uh, had one year where I didn't play the equipment, but uh, realized that the other equipment wasn't for me. So I went back and pretty much have been playing, you know, Tideless Equipment and especially the ball shoe and glove my yeah. whole career. Um and been playing the irons since 2015 and the woods have been since 2015 but a few times before as well um mm -hmm. with their first metal woods that they had came come out and uh so that's one um right now we have a uh i've been working with a little company uh called uh talus they're a little uh cyber i believe they're cyber security company Mm -hmm. It's um, and then locally here in Austin, we're doing a, a little kind of golf tour, a whole of the month for the this next year. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, Callahan's General Store is uh, is kind of the sponsor of that. So I've been working with them a little bit, and I've we've, I've known the Callahan family since. Uh, oh gosh, we were kids. My my brothers went to high school with some i went to high school with some and one of the cousins right. that's now running the company lives out here and is a member at onion creek and so i play golf with him all the time his name is charlie wilson but uh mm -hmm. yeah so callahan's general stores just has been a local uh feed store grass store um for the austin community for many many years mm -hmm. outstanding very cool you mentioned um some par threes and the event with the four pros that came out at onion Creek. And, uh, it just makes me think of, uh, some of the trends that we're seeing in golf to help grow the game. Like tiger has that pop stroke facility. That's got, uh, like a putting course and, and booze and there's top golf. And what do you, uh, do you think these types of facilities are uh, a gift for the game, helping to grow and bring more people in? Or? Uh, yeah, I think it's definitely helping grow the game now. Now people, you know, can go to Top Golf and they can, uh, you know, whack at it a bit and have some fun. Um, mm -hmm. And then eventually, you know, I think some of them are starting to maybe join, you know, are definitely joining golf clubs. Uh, the one mm -hmm. unfortunate thing sometimes is the golf etiquette has been thrown out the window. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> um, you know, unfortunately, they, you know, that's happening. But as far as, you know, you know, COVID was a big help with golf. Yes. Uh, yeah just unbelievable how much every club that I know of ha has grown since with their memberships and, and uh, just how busy everything is. It's so hard to find a tea time anywhere now. Yeah. It, it's same up here in Canada. It, it is very tough. Uh, even a couple of years into COVID uh, I personally joined a club in 2020 uh, uh, just for this reason. And 
it, it's still people are fighting for tee times. The golf courses uh, in our area are starting to gouge. They have been. Green fees are going up. They're you know, canceling membership tiers. And I, I, I suspect that'll hurt them over the next couple of years because uh, it'll, you know, the, the temperature will cool down a little bit. Uh, but yeah. uh, I, I'm hoping we retain some of the popularity because the, the, the game was shrinking for a little bit pre-COVID. So uh, it's, I think it's, uh, you know, I'm hoping we retain some of the uh, players. Yeah, you know, it was shrinking in the adult world, the kid world, it was really growing. Mm-hmm. And so I, I didn't really think golf was hurting all that badly myself because of that. There were so many kids and now there's even more kids playing the game. Um, you know, but as far as the adult, yes, I, I believe it was shrinking in that aspect because people just didn't have the time. And now, you know, a lot of them are able to work from home yeah. um, and doing a lot more from home. So they have a few extra hours to, to get out to whack yeah. at it. Well, that's great. Omar, I'm going to bring this up. You're, you're known for a few things. Uh, you're known as O-Man. I don't know how you got that, uh, <laughs> that uh, title, but there's also, uh, you got the most amount of birdies in a PGA Tour event. I believe you tied, you talked about Chichi Rodriguez. He was the one previously who had the record. I don't know if the record still stands. Um, as so, Mike, I hopefully Mike cues this up where we're going to talk about your moment with Tiger as well, uh, making that hole in one because you were paired with him on that Saturday. Uh, but t- tell us a little bit about the uh, birdies record. Yeah, so uh, 1994 is actually the Nike Shreveport Open, what's now the Corn Ferry Tour. And unfortunately, they don't have this tournament anymore because it was actually on a really good golf course. And it was back in the day of Persimmon and Balata. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I believe the course was about ooh, close to 7,000, 7,100 yards, uh, which was, you know, pretty good length back then. Yeah. Um, and my brother was caddying for me. He had caddied for me at Q school a couple of times. And, uh, this was his first real tournament caddying for me. And, uh, you know, he was, he's a, he was a baseball player, but you know, he grew up playing a little bit of golf, but he could putt. If, uh, if I putted as good as he did, I could have won a few more times on, or I could have won a few times on tour, I think. <laughs> um, cause my putting held me back and now I'm starting to putt really good again. So we'll see. But, uh, so yeah, so he would, uh, he actually, at the time he was, we were able to line, he was able to line me up with my putts and we just kind of got started. Uh, on, I missed a couple of, I missed like a 10 footer on the first hole and eight footer on the second hole and about another, 10 footer on the third hole and then get to the fourth hole was a par three hit a little seven iron in there about 15 feet and made it next hole was a par four I think I hit eight iron to about 12 feet and made it next hole was a par three I hit it to about 25 feet and made it wow uh and then I believe we had another par four or it might have been a par five that I hit it just short and pitched it on to about six feet and made it and then I, just, I remember on holes nine and 10, they were both, I hit five irons in there and I hit them both inside of three feet Wow! and made those. And then I hit a wedge to a foot on the 11th hole. And then the final birdie was an 18 footer uh, on number 12. And then I parred the next hole, which was a long par three, had hit it on the fringe and chipped it to about a foot. And then I birdied the next. So I made uh, 10 out of 11 after making the nine. That's in a row. amazing. 
it's so. funny with golf you have your best round but we can always look backwards and be like oh damn i lipped out twice <laughs> and uh, you know it's like it can always be a little bit better but you know yeah. and and I'm going to segue into pulling up this clip here, but, you know, you mentioned the youth has still, you know, been growing in the game. And, you know, I, I believe it's because of uh, Tiger and all these kids growing up watching Tiger are now maturing and, you know, we're in a good place. And um, mm -hmm. this was a, a great moment in golf. I've just uh, <laughs> triggered the screen share here. Give it a second yeah. to show up. Um, well, I, um, so I had hit my shot in there and I was already about two and a half, three feet, just, past the hole into the right of it. And I did not watch him swing all day, except for a couple of little wedge shots. Cause I didn't want to get out of my rhythm. So at this time, my back is turned to him with my arms crossed and I'm looking down at the ground, listening. So he yeah. hits, I start, I start walking. You can see my shadow or my brother's shadow up there. And, yeah, and uh, Oh, there it is. But you're, I can see your ball is super close. Like you said. Yeah. You know, but after I hit, I, I, I just thought to myself, I didn't, I didn't say it out loud. I just thought it to myself. I, was, I thought, let's see you hit it closer than that. And right. what's he do? He knocks it in the hole. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, uh, after it goes in, I just kind of shook my set, my, my head and said to myself, only tiger turned around and was walking back to do the high five. And I swear, I heard my brother say, bro, be careful and kind of short armed the high five. Uh, to where we whiffed and then we were able to go back and hit again where it wasn't such a hard swing. So, yeah. um, and, uh, but yeah, what an incredible moment. It was so loud. Just, it was so, you know, the clubhouse was six or 700 yards away and it was so loud that it rattled the windows of the clubhouse. Oh, wow. Right. Yeah. It's just a rub is the whole reason why they have the stadium there. It's the whole reason to be part that, of history in yeah. that yeah. shape or form. One of the greatest moments of golf. Yeah. Uh, and that, that, and it, that was that was the start of the craziness that's now the 16th hole at, at uh, Phoenix. Yeah. So um, just a, an incredible moment. Uh, I wish I had a, you know, a dollar every, for every time they've shown that. <laughs> yeah. No, oh, definitely. Did you make your putt? I did make my putt. Yeah, but the funny thing was, so he and my brother are standing on the back of the green and he puts his arm on my brother's shoulder and he's like, Hoss, my brother's name is Rusty, but his nickname was Hoss. He's like, Hoss a total three is going to be tough to beat here. Yeah. And he's like, tiger, he ain't made it yet. He's like, Oh, he'll knock it right in the back. And I squirreled it in and he's like, I told you he'd make it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's a great moment. Thank, thanks for sharing that story. You know, yeah. one of the things we do on the cast, uh, Omar is talk about funny and embarrassing golf stories. So when I say those words, funny and embarrassing, what comes to mind, any notable players or tournaments, uh, you could think of? Um, well, I had one happen to me. I was, uh, we were playing in a Nike tour event over in Virginia beach at the TPC there. And I think it was the 11th hole. I'd hit my tee shot left in the trees right next to a hazard, uh, which is just hazard. It was just like grass and woods and stuff. Uh, but, uh, and I was, you know, trying to hit a shot out and I hit the shot and, there was this tree it wasn't even as wide as the golf ball as the diameter of the golf right. ball and it hits this tree square and comes back and hits me on my belt buckle um so i got penalized i got penalized i think i was in it ended up uh, was able to make a double um and still finish like third for the tournament but even if it doesn't hit me it goes in the hazard behind me so right <laughs> but yeah 
you know, but it did hit me square, square on the, on the belt buckle right after it hit that tree. And I was like, how can it do that? Um, but let's see, what else is there? I had one, <laughs> had one, my brother and I, we were, he was caddying for me. We were in uh, Chicago playing at Cog Hill and we were on, oh, I can't remember what hole it was. One of the par threes, a little downhill. And I'm trying to go through my routine and there's a guy about, 75 yards up standing below the stands and he's on his cell phone and we could hear him and we're trying to get his attention. We're like, Hey, get off the phone. You know, and he's just not hearing us and not paying attention. And so my brother takes an a go old golf ball that I had used earlier in the round and throws it at him. And it lands like right at his feet. And he looks up, closes his phone and puts it in his pocket, like all in one quick motion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but so what do we do? So he got the attention. message. Yeah. Yeah. So he got the message there. That's awesome. Um, I tell on. you, uh, another thing that happened at Phoenix, my, I can't remember who my brother was caddying for, and I can't remember who hit the shot. Uh, so for I think those he who don't been... know, Omar, your, your brother is a professional caddy. And, yes. uh, you know, you come from a family of athletes, I, I believe he, did he, is he the one who played for the Atlanta Braves? Yes. He played in the minors okay. for the Atlanta Braves. Yeah. Oh, wow. He, uh, he, he caught Roger Clemens and Calvin Chiraldi in college at the university of Texas. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah, so he, but, um, he was standing on the 16th green and I think it was, was it not, uh, Steve Jones or somebody, Anyways, one of the pros was leaning on his putter on the green and the group behind hit up and it ricocheted off the guy's putter and went in the hole for a hole in one. Oh, wow. And he wow. turns to the player and he's like, man, that's the only putt you've made all day. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. You know, wow. I, wish was... I, I can't remember the players, but uh, yeah, that's one of the stories. That's awesome. Um, another fun question. Um, because you've been out for a few decades on there. So you would have seen different periods of the tour. And in the eighties, nineties, uh, there was a little bit, uh, more of a, uh, yeah, maybe a bit of a party atmosphere. So who would like the wildest players that you remember who would be out drinking the night before show up? Uh, <laughs> is there any names that pop out? Uh, well, I mean, every, everybody knows daily. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, John Daly, uh, Tim Heron liked to go out as well, I hear. And, uh, yeah, you know, it was amazing how many guys would go out and have, go eat dinner that I would go eat dinner with. And I'd have one, maybe one, maybe two drinks. And But it'd be amazing to see how many guys would actually have like six beers or seven beers with dinner. I'm just like, yeah. really? <laughs> it's yeah. like, how can you function the next day? <laughs> right. Um, and, uh, but yeah, there were, there were a few guys that uh, liked to have a good, you know, a good time. Uh, uh, Robert Gomez, uh, had a little bit of fun Yeah, way back when, um, you know, but John Daly, I think was probably one of the, obviously the biggest one that uh, right. always would go out and not only have fun, but go gamble and stay out, you know, pretty late and stuff. So it just shows uh, it how was, much the game has changed, right. Uh, you know, now we're, you know, the kids are all coming out of university. They've got better games than most season pros after 10 years, uh, mm -hmm. and, not only is the technology chain, but the, the mindset, uh, you know, how you get prepared for a tournament, uh, the teams of people, obviously money has a lot to do with it and the popularity of the game, but uh, we're not going to see the same type of characters and uh, because golf wasn't, 
too popular when you were growing up. I'm sure it wasn't, you know, you probably played a little bit of high school and college golf. Yeah. 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 yeah it, you know, it wasn't a big sport. Um, and it was amazing when I got to college, how many of the UT football players came up to me and said, man, I wish I had started playing golf earlier. <laughs> um, yeah. But, you know, it, it wasn't the most popular sport. It was uh, thought of as kind of a nerdy sport. Um, and, you know, but I, especially with the rise of Tiger, that that turned the whole thing around to where it made it look cool and and fun. And, um, you know, so we owe a lot to Tiger. Uh, and it's, it's just incredible. Uh, mm -hmm. And since then, all the young guys that have, you know, had the charisma and, and stuff, you know, like McElroy and, um, you know, a few of the other guys, just uh, it's incredible. Justin Thomas, uh, you know, uh, Ricky. And uh, so, you know, the game has changed. The technology changed the game a lot. Uh, it took me out of it, actually, because I didn't pick up the distance that a lot of these guys did with the new technology. Yeah. And uh, it was, uh, it was, you know, ended up, it's just a totally different game. It is. It's a, it's a absolute power game now with a little bit of finesse thrown in there. Um, another fun question. Uh, which presidents would you prefer to play with if you could choose or have you played with any, you know, I have not, um, you know, uh, Teddy Roosevelt, I think would have been fun to play with. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, you know, I have seen, uh, a few of the presidents at the Bob Hope, uh, Gerald Ford used to play. So I got to see him hit a couple of shots. Uh, I saw, um, uh, Clinton hit a few shots. Uh, you know, uh, I have met, uh, uh, George Bush. Uh, so, um, and, uh, at, at golf courses, but haven't played with him. I'd like to play with him. I'd like yeah. to play with president Trump. I think Trump would, uh, my brother actually caddied in the same group in a pro-am with, with president Trump. Uh, yeah. this was like 25, 30 years ago, uh, maybe 20 years ago. Um, and he, my, his, my rusty, my brother, his daughter wanted to go into modeling and he was talking to Mr. Trump about it. And, uh, he's like, don't let her do it. He's like, tell her not to go because one day you're too fat. One day you're too skinny. One day you're not tall enough. One day you're too tall. One day your hair's too straight. One day your hair's too curly. Yeah. He's like, it's a brutal world. Don't, don't push her into doing it. <laughs> yeah. Probably some of his best advice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and so just from that and knowing a few other guys that have played with him, I think that it'd be pretty, pretty special to play with him. Yeah, I think it'd be amusing. You have Trump and Clinton, Hillary caddies for Bill, and then you just <laughs> you just let them all bicker amongst themselves, and uh, you know that, that could be entertaining. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I think they I think they were pretty good acquaintances before he ran for president. So they were and, and changed and changed sides. Yeah, absolutely, they were. I believe uh, they were at Ivanka's wedding or one of their weddings. So no, they were all very tight until um, until 2016. Mm -hmm. well, Omar, you know, I, I just want to say thank you for coming on the cast. You know, you've uh, you've had a great career. You know, we want to get interesting people on our casts and, and talk about their game because there's not many sports, if any, 
uh, that where you could have a career 20 plus 25 plus years on tour you, you you've made a few dollars i mean uh, four million plus dollars in change uh is pretty fantastic and uh we just want to uh celebrate those players that are still grinding they're still playing still have passion for the game still growing it and uh just know that uh you know there's a whole community out there still watching you guys and rooting for you and so uh, hopefully you could get uh, back in as many events as you want to get into. I'm sure you have a 2023 bucket list uh, of things that you'd like to accomplish. And uh, so congrats on a great, an amazing career and uh, moving forward. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And I, you know, I need to get back up to Canada sometime. I haven't been up there in a few years. Uh, I've been divorced for five years now. And so I haven't really been visited Canada, but I, I got some good buddies up in the Mississauga area that would, I would like to go visit uh, at some point again. And, um, you know, they used to be, one of them's Josh Stone used to be at the uh, Rattlesnake Golf Club. And then yep. the other one is, uh, is, uh, gosh, dog, um, Sean Casey. I believe oh, yeah. he might be teaching out at uh, Rattlesnake now. So mm. yeah. a little bit and as well as, um, gosh, I've just gone blank on names because it's been so long. <laughs> That's all right. Hey, That's all right. If, if you, you do know, end but, up coming uh, out here, I'm not there. far away. We'll, we'll get around it, you know, we'll uh, yeah. be able to get out there, whether it's out in uh, Texas on tour, we're planning to come out to some events as well. So uh, Mike and I look forward to uh, teaming up with you. we got our new merch line coming out. We'll send you some stuff as well. All right. That sounds good. Yeah, that'd be thank great. Thank you very much for having me. No, you're welcome. And, and again, thank you for me as well. And uh, to our listeners and viewers, um, please give us a subscribe or uh, engage with the content. Tomorrow we'll be out on all the podcast platforms uh, for uh, for your audio. Uh, and and uh, yeah, no, thanks again for, uh, for listening. And, and Omar, thank you for joining us. Um, thank you. All right, for Michael Bleakley, I'm Raphael Calamat. Uh, for Omar Uresti, um, 